Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 4 The Conquest of Peasant. Peasant Seats. With Saul destroyed by Lieutenants Roots and Crypt, the garden's firing platforms were knocked out of commission. The new decides had to regroup. Since their ability to defend themselves was reduced, and the garden lost a critical piece of its defense, the new decides to decide to work on a plan to repel any possible incursions by the Federation. Meanwhile, the Earth Federation sent a fleet of warships to peasants to suppress this rebellion. The ex-dispatch fleet was commanded by none other than Commander Brian Aieno. Within the Federation, he was known as the Bald Eagle Admiral. He did leave active duty and was the Federation Forces Advanced Officer School Principal, but returned to active duty to lead this fleet. There was trepidation among some members of the Federation government, as some disapproved of his approach, but the overall consensus was that the operation would benefit from his presence as he was popular within the military. The Federation hoped that saying the Bald Eagle would cause the new decides to surrender without firing any further shots. A young operations officer was aboard a small transport ship and was taken aback by the majestic view before him. Several cruises based at Solomon had rushed to rendezvous with the fleet from Earth at the low orbit station of Penta. The small ship was towing a large crate to the ex-dispatch fleet's connection dock at Penta. The young officer was unaware of what the crate contained, but he was ordered to deliver it to the cruiser Bull Run. Based on the size, it likely contained a mobile suit. The delivery note had at the header, new G equipment, which could represent a new code name or to the word gun. The fleet consisted of two Magellan Kai, which translates to revised or modified class cruisers, the Bull Run and Nagato, and eight Salamis Kai cruisers. They were the Pasadena, Vogel Grad, Panama 2, Kashima, Brasilia, Danang, Stockholm, and the Dortmund. There were two Columbus Kai class transport ships, Iwo Jima and Ivan Rogov, that fleet that carried the fleet's mobile suits in six standard Columbus class transport ships. Admiral Aino's flag of command was raised in the bullet run, which made the cruise the fleet's flagship. According to this novel, the Magellan class cruiser could launch mobile suits similar to naval aircraft carriers of the past. As the bald eagle sat in his office, he noted the smell of the ship, which was something mixed with rotten onions. This reminded that old cruises like the Bull Run shared this characteristic, unlike the new ships like the Pegasus III, which smelled of fresh paint, metal, and rubber. As he remembered things from the past, Ion remembered the time he met a man who traveled to Earth to visit him about one month prior. In his mind, he envisioned that the man had a slight build, was wearing sunglasses, and appeared to have grown up in a low-gravity environment. He introduced himself as an employee of Anaheim Electronics. Aino told him to sit down and wanted him to get to the point as he was preparing to go back to space. This slim man asked if he considered himself a spacenoid. Aino responded that he considered himself a true blue earthnoid. He then asked if this is a common greeting on the moon. The man smiled and told him that his name was Saotome, 
and was in fact a member of the instructor corps. I know that as to send a message to Cod and Cray to surrender and to avoid any further conflict, Salatome said that the instructor corps would not surrender and that he risked being arrested when coming to Earth to tell Aino their intentions. They believed that they would win because the Federation was having a difficult time finding pilots who can match the skill of the pilots from the instructor corps. We are aware that we are committing Harikiri for the Earth and for Earthnoids. This, sir, you must realize. Those words caused the old admiral to feel the need to fight again and to sacrifice, spilling his own blood on the battlefield if necessary. As Salatome spoke more about the Instructor Corps' goals, Aino became more and more intrigued. Establishing a political power on the moon? Captain Cray aspires to do too much. After Aino said that, Salatome began to see the spark of interest in the officer's eyes. Task Force Alpha's mobile suit squadron took this time to hone their skills while waiting for the reinforcement fleet to arrive. Despite gaining some combat experience, the pilots were felt to be still substandard in Captain Manning's eyes, especially one Ryu Roots. Manning's ordered Roots to form up with the Faz and Zeta Plus squadrons in his superior Gundam. The six suits formed a right triangle formation. He then ordered them to change into an Ironhead formation. The constant orders were annoying and vexing Roots who cursed Manning silently. Roots! Ryu Roots, are you listening? He grew tired of the orders but it formed up. Manning's continued to hurl invectives at Roots and told them that he would die and he was not cut out to be a pilot. He then added something he would later regret by saying that he would write Roots', Roots parents a letter if he died because he was incompetent. As soon as he said that, he remembered that Roots' family had died tragically. Roots was hurt by the laughter of his wingmen and was particularly angry at Manning's. He felt that all that Manning's does or would do is bark orders from the bridge and they wanted to face him in a duel. Manning's found the challenge interesting and told the other five mobile suits to return to the ship and for Roots to wait for him and not to pee his pants again. Meanwhile, the ex-dispatch fleet's cruisers were fitted with essentially afterburns which would allow them to depart from Peasant at a faster rate. One minor detail included the new G equipment crate was located it actually loaded onto the bull run. The crate, in fact, did have a mobile suit, and it was a Gundam. The suit was meant to be used for the colony laser battles in the Grips War, but was never deployed. It was stored instead aboard Pento. Meanwhile, Manning's taunted Roots, saying that he was surprised he could not spot his approach. In spite of looking at, at his sensors, Roots felt uneasy that he couldn't find his commander. As he continued looking around, he felt that the superior gun's left foot vibrated slightly. Shut down the functions of your left foot. It's finished. The superior gun's left foot was covered in a red paint from a practice paint round. Mangs was attacking him in a Nero trainer mobile suit. Before Roots could react, the Nero maneuvered around to the rear of the Superior Gundam. As Roots reacted, the Nero dodged and shot another round at the S Gundam's cockpit. You've already lost this battle, Roots. Sorry. Wrong 80s anime reference. Despite the technical superiority of the Superior Gundam, Roots finally realized he lost 
and felt that perhaps he lost because his opponent's piloting technique made up for the advantage he possessed in the superior Gundam. Roots wanted a rematch and made it obvious he was more receptive to his superior officer's orders. Mannings noted this and was happy and thought maybe he's finally realized that battles aren't about being a hero and laughed alone. March 6, Universal Century 0088. The ex-dispatch fleet was en route. It had left Penta two days prior and it had been five days since Saul had been breached and destroyed. Admiral Ayano sat in the command chair of the Bull Runs Bridge. He looked around and noted that essentially everyone on board was were, were trusted aides. Moreover, his fleet was too far from Penta to be pursued. It was at this time that the Admiral got on a microphone, which transmitted this speech to the fleet. Calling all members of the Earth Federation Forces ex-divisional fleet, I am Brian Ayano. From this point on, my cruiser will not receive any further orders from the Federal Forces Main Command Office and will be joining forces with the new Decides Instructors Corps. I humbly feel that the new Decides cause is a righteous one. They advocate that the Earth Sphere belongs to us Earthnoids and that the only truth is that which is based on the interests of Earthnoids. The Space Noids, a continual gain of power through our past conflicts, has caused the, caused the Earth Federation to generate to nothing more than a puppet controlled by those living in space. I am confident that any and every true Earthnoid will understand my sentiments. My objective in doing this is not to revolt against the Federation or the Earth Federation forces. The true Earth Federation forces should fight courageously for Mother Earth. The one-year war should have opened your eyes as to whose cause is truly just, not the Space Noids, but our own. Those who do not agree with my humble decision may freely leave the fleet within the next 12 hours. For those who are proud to be an Earthnoid in their hearts, I beg you to continue this fight at my side. I expect all of you to make the right decision. Long live the Earth Federation. End transmission. Once he finished his transmission, the Bull Run's bridge crew erupted into raucous applause. However, not everyone wished to follow the Bald Eagle Admiral. The Pasadena and the Da Nang wished to leave the fleet. The Admiral ordered that any individuals who wished to leave may board the transport ship. The reason why more officers followed him was simple. Nearly every senior officer within the fleet were students of his at one time. Earth Federation headquarters was in uproar when they found out that about Ino's betrayal. They were entering an area that was difficult to pursue. They also realized that such a large fleet would destroy Task Force Alpha. This information was naturally related to the task force. Heathrow, upon hearing this, was shocked. He could not believe that the reinforcements sent to help his fleet was now actually his enemy and led by his former teacher. They were ordered by headquarters to leave their current location and to pursue the X-Fleet before the Moon Orbital Fleet was launched. The Moon Orbital Fleet was based in Von Braun and was tasked with patrolling commercial transportation routes. Although it could not compare in strength to a fleet from Earth, it was the only fleet available to fight against Ino. Earth Federation headquarters helped, hoped that the Moon Orbital Fleet would act in Ino's place and continue on to Pezen. The Y and Z fleets were just still stationed at Penta and preparing for launch. They realized that the situation was getting more desperate. The Federation, which had lacked the ability to prevent the conflict between the Titans and Aeg, 
during the grips war had now lost its last bit of authority. Back at Peasant, Drake Pachere, an officer of the new decides, implored the senior officers to allow him to launch a guerrilla attack and that he needed an observation vessel. Cod asked Cray what he thought. Cray asked how he could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with a large cruiser in an observation vessel. He added that they didn't have the forces to mount such an attack. The Federation was jamming their transmissions so they couldn't get a sense of their true current situation. Even though they had sent Salatome to help turn Ayano, they didn't expect him to defect so quickly. Some of them were unsure if he truly turned and felt that his fleet could still easily destroy the new decides, and some were possibly considering surrendering to the Federation forces. Drake continued saying he could charge in and be able to get the cannons to resume firing again. Cray turned out his request saying that he could not spare the manpower. At this point he said, Monitor him closely. He lacks courage. I agree, Tosh. The troops' morale is starting to waver. If this mutual confrontation continues, morale will collapse completely. Therefore, are you talking about gaining respect? Indeed, an organization requires discipline. What's more, we still have to push on to the next stage of our plan. You intend to make an example of Drake? No. Indeed. We must show the troops what true loyalty is. I understand. Leave it to me and Josh. Regarding the upcoming plan, Cod, I was thinking of how to use Peasant in that toy. Oh, how? After we escape, leave Peasant to the enemy. Once the enemy fleet approaches the empty city, we'll ignite the nuclear warhead. That'll hit them hard. I see. We'll need someone to cover our retreat first, though. We use Drake as a decoy. We'll give a meaningful death so that nobody will suspect anything. Cray's blue eyes shine deceivingly. And you're sure no loopholes will be exposed? This is to ensure that we make full use of every last bit of our combat abilities. Besides, his sacrifice is for our justice. The two officers continue wondering if they would be able to contact Iyer City on the moon once they retreated. Cod said that Salatomir was left in charge of that. If he was successful, they would receive a communication capsule, and that was ironic, they were communicating by carrier pigeons. Heather received orders from the Moon Orbital Fleet to head to an empty region of space from the other side of where they were heading and to defend against a raid from INS fleet. However, they could not be spotted. The plan was for the Moon Orbital Fleet and the Task Force Alpha to approach, approach from other side of Peasant and invade. However, they received transmissions from side 4 that Ayano's fleet was spotted and were attacking Ayugo, or Ayug rather, patrol vessels. Once the battle was over, Ayano's fleet vanished once again and could not be spotted. No one was quite sure where they were heading. The Moon? Side 3? Solomon? Task Force Alpha and the Moon Orbital Fleet were relieved that due to the distance, the INL fleet could not attack from their rear, but were unaware of the real reason for the skirmish against Side 4's defense forces. Heath ordered the next day on March 7th, Universal Century 0088, the invasion of Peza would commence with two stages, first a cruiser, followed by a mobile suit assault. The pilots gathered in the lounge in the Pegasus 3. Ryu Roots? 
the two Zeta Plus pilots and three FAS pilots along with Lieutenant Chung Young. He was another grizzled vet and commander of the Nero squadron with three units. Roots thought he was just another old-timer like Manning's. The battle plan was outlined. At 0600 hours, Task Force Alpha and the Moon Orbital Fleet would approach Pezen. Once within firing range, the cans would come online. Following the third wave of firing, the mobile suit squadrons will launch in waves to occupy Pezen's port. There was some bickering about who should launch force first, but Mangs interjected and said there'd be no change with Superior Gundam launching first, followed by the Zeta Plus team. At that moment, Tex West's face showed fear. His mind flashed back to the assault on Saul, and while charging in Zeta Plus, the enemy's reign of fire was the most horrifying experience of his life. Shin noted this and patted him on the head while Roots tried to joke around when both Roots and Crypt were then punched in the chin. They both looked up and saw Lieutenant Chung Young, the Nero squadron commander who looked at them. He said he was not impressed with these rookies and that the only reason why they did as well as they did was because of their mobile suit's performance. Mans grew furious and told them all to sit down. The meeting continued. Oh, 0600 hours, peasant. The blackness of space was suddenly torn apart by flashes of light. The cruisers from both the Task Force Alpha and the Moon Orbital Fleet trained their cannons and opened fire. The beam attacks were directed towards the satellite-guided missiles that surrounded Peasant and were destroying them one by one. Once Pegasus fired his third volley, the mobile suit teams were launched. The remaining satellite-guided missiles fired the thrusters and were headed towards the fleet. The FAS squadron led by Crypt was ready and waiting and fired their hyper-mega-beam cannons. Once disposed of, the FAS squadron rushed towards Pezen. Meanwhile, Roots and the Zeta Plus team entered the battle theater in mobile suit mode. Roots felt more uncomfortable as there did not seem to be any further response when a red beam pierced the darkness and nearly hit the superior Gundam. Wes and the other pilots reminded him to stay in formation to head towards Pezen. More red beams became apparent, and one hit a Nero and exploded. At this point, Roots hastily directed the superior Gundam towards the origin of the beams. Mangs, in real time, back on the bridge of the Pegasus III, noted that the superior Gundam was not staying with the other mobile suits. He ordered, ordered him to return to formation. Of course, Roots, being Roots, Natu did not heed the warning and continued. He then recognized the blue mobile suit of the new decides. The Zeku Ainz was piloted by Josh Oshore and noted the superior Gundam was heading straight for him. He felt more at ease and realized this newbie pilot was rather a newbie and laughed. The Zeku Ainz aimed its main rifle at him and hit the Gundam in the chest. Blue and yellow paint flew off the chest armor. Roots cursed again, but ultimately was okay. A notification in his helmet's earpiece chimed in his ear saying, You must leave the battlefield. You must leave the battlefield. As usual, he cursed at the alert and told her to shut up. Painful. Agony. Suffering. Unhappy. Noise. Annoying. Unhappy. Roots saw these words on his screen and thought mistakenly that there was an error with the system. Offshore was meanwhile dodging the S-Gun's attacks. The true objective of the first and second assault squadrons under his command was to give the impression that the new sides were defending peasant to the bitter end. 
However, a short engagement would then follow by a withdrawal and link back up with the fleet that had already launched and escaped the region entirely. Prey also wanted to get rid of the traitor in their midst, Drake. If he wasn't eliminated at this point, it would have caused more problems for them later. As Offshore fired again at the S-Gundam, two triangular-shaped units were closing on him. He shouted, Mass-produced Zetas, and remembered that Kray had spotted such units during the Federation incursion and destruction of Saul. West and his wingman transformed from Wave Rider mode to Mobile Suit mode. Roots was annoyed and felt that this wingman should have come by to support him sooner. As the support units arrived, Zeku Ainz withdrew. Lieutenant West yelled as he noticed that the new Decide's fleet was withdrawing from Pesson at maximum speed. West sent a laser transmission to the Pegasus 3, informing them of their escape. Mangs informed Heathrow of this latest development. Heathrow felt that Cray, who was his rival, would likely have set a trap to cover their escape. He then quickly ordered all forces to withdraw. Cripp's team had already reached Peasant's outer wall was confused at this point. Meanwhile, the Moon Orbital Fleet encountered some new sized cruisers who issued a ceasefire. However, two of the mobile suits in the escort fired at them. This prompted the Moon Orbital Fleet to counterattack and destroy the new decides traders. No one was aware that Offshore and Cray were piling those two mobile suits on escort and were able to escape. On board the Kilimanjaro's bridge, Cod monitored the situation with the Federation cruisers and mobile suits. He noted that the mobile suits were approaching Peasant had already left to return back to their ships. Cray also arrived on the bridge, and the two debated about whether to defend the job and destroy a peasant. Cod felt that destroying peasant wasn't meaningless and would serve as a symbol to the Earth about their ideology. He felt that the fleet was sail setting sail to the Promised Land, similar to Moses leading the Jews from Egypt with hope for the future. We will destroy a peasant. It will symbolize our will to take Earth back from the space noise. Once the fleet had got far enough away, Cod bowed to the crew, who then pressed the detonation button on the control panel. Officer on the, officers on the ship on board saw their second home for one last time. The nuclear war had ignited and completely destroyed the asteroid. The explosion could be seen on Earth to the naked eye. The rays of light represented the will of the new decides and marked a tragedy that would spread to the moon. Despite this being a Gundam podcast, in this particular chapter, there are no new formally introduced units save for the crate with the word G on it. I wonder what it could be. I guess we'll have to wait until the next chapter to find out. Although this particular chapter was longer than some of the previous ones in this book, there are only a couple things I figured were worth digging into in terms of analysis. Admiral Aino, or Aino rather, being such a highly decorated and respected figure in the Earth Federation military, was able to be turned and sided with his former disciples who made up the Instructor Corps. This made me wonder about other famous military turncoats that I could find. 
But first, I wanted to shout out the Mobile Suit Breakdown podcast for the triumph return to covering the Devil's Ada Gundam right now. If you haven't given it a listen to, I strongly recommend you check it out. I also want to tie back into the last episode when I mentioned carrier pigeons. In this episode, New decides officers Brave Cod and Tosh Cray were discussing the irony of resorting to using carrier pigeons. Now, I'll not go into any analysis because in Season 2 of Mobile Suit Breakdown, Nina and Tom already covered and did a detailed uh, breakdown on how carrier pigeons came to be and how they were used throughout history. Okay, so shout out is done. So getting back to turncoats, um, this is a spoiler, although 36 years old. One famous fictional turncoat that actually came to mind was Captain Ramius from Tom Clancy's, Clancy's rather novel, The Hunt for Red October, which became a movie in 1990 and the first of the Jack Ryan franchise. The novel was released in 1984, before Gun of Sentinel was ever made. In it, a Soviet captain was in charge of the stealth nuclear submarine named Red October. He, like Admiral Ayano, was an instructor of junior officers who were inspired to follow him. The similarities also continue. He also became disillusioned with the path the government he served was taking and no longer wanted to serve this corrupt nation-state. He was able to find several Soviet officers who worked under him or trained by him who would follow his cause. While on a shakedown cruise, he, along with the officers he trained, went renegade and defected from the former Soviet Union to the United States. I have no direct evidence that Tom Clancy's novel directly influenced the development of Gundam Sentinel, but I do find at least some of these common elements intriguing, and certainly was available in Japan at the time. Through a web search, I was able to look on actually uh, a famous story you could look online. I was able to find that the novel is translated by Kyoshi Isaka and was released in Japan in 1985. One famous American military turner is Traitor is, of course, none other than Brigadier General Benedict Arnold. He was born on January 14, 1741, in Norwich, Connecticut, and died at the age of 60 on June 14, 1801, in London. He served under the command of General George Washington during the Revolutionary War in the Continental Army. He was in command of West Point in New York and was involved in several key battles for the United States, including the battles of Saratoga, which led to the British Army surrendering in 1777. However, he married Peggy Shippen, who was felt by some authorities to have been a loyalist sympathizer and was able to sway Arnold into becoming a turncoat. The British promised him 20,000 pounds for the capture of West Point. He obtained command of this important stronghold from General Washington in July of 1780. His scheme to have the fort surrender was discovered and an associate by the John Andre who served in the British Army, was hanged. Arnold, however, managed to escape and became a Brigadier General uh, after being commissioned in the British Army and was able to lead British troops in actions in New London, Connecticut, against former soldiers under his command near where he originally grew up and was involved in the Battle of Groton Heights where Continental soldiers surrendered but were killed and slaughtered uh, by the British Army led by Arnold. This actually was the last British victory on American soil. Um, Arnold would later move to London after a brief time in Canada and stayed in uh, England until his death. Next episode, Chapter 5, A Dream for the Moon. Ayer City is located on the far side of the moon 
and represented the last bastion of Titan and Remnants and others who believed in Earthnoid supremacy. The new decides forces head towards Iron City. Meanwhile, Task Force Alpha is tasked with finding the fleeing New Decides fleet. And the New Decides fleet fields their own new special mobile suit against the Federation. Be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gun of Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gun of Sentinel Podcast, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Gun of Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast tell your Gundam-loving otaku friends to check it out. Until next time.